If you enjoy our content and think this is important material, the best compliment you can pay is by sharing this with your friends and family. This helps us out a lot. Also, if you enjoyed today's program, please like, comment, share, and subscribe to this podcast. We would love to hear from you. Truth in My Days podcast is sponsored by the Truth in My Days ministry. Welcome to the Truth in My Days podcast, where we defend the Word of God against the challenges of men. Hello all. Just as a reminder, this is part 27 of a multi-part series. Today we have Sonia interviewing John. We have been looking at the question of the age of the earth and whether it is important or not. We saw that the Bible does teach that the earth is about 6,000 years old which contradicts the claim of secular science that it is 4.6 billion years old. Some apologists, the so-called old age creationists, accept that the earth is 4.6 billion years old and say that teaching it is 6,000 years old, which is young earth creationism, is a stumbling block to apologetics and drives people away from the gospel. If that were so, we cannot change what the Bible says about this. And in fact, the broad data seems to show that the opposite we lose people when we compromise on what the Bible teaches about creation. The most comprehensive study of which we know on this issue found that believing the Bible has errors in it, as it would if it were to be wrong about creation, is much more significant factor in causing young people to abandon the church than a supposed contradiction between the Bible and secular science. We saw that the world's top Hebrew experts from leading universities who do not believe in inerrancy, so do not feel the need to make the Bible fit with the claims of secular science, all agree that Genesis 1 certainly teaches that God created the world in six earth rotation 24-hour days. Then we began to look at what is said by Christians who argue that the earth is 4.6 billion years old, and we saw that they not only make certain errors about the laws of science, but particularly that they overlooked the fact that the entire creation week was a week of miraculous activity. The laws of science did not take over the operation of the universe until after the six days of creation were finished. Furthermore, scientific data such as the radiometric dating that supposedly shows the Earth is 4.6 billion years old only does so if invalid assumptions are used. Much scientific data actually shows the Earth is young. Next, we looked at the arguments old age creationists raise to deny the plain meaning of Genesis 1. Next, we looked at the arguments old creationists raise to deny the plain meaning of Genesis 1, such as claiming the word translated day here can mean long periods of time. But in fact, in the form in which it appears in Genesis 1, it can only mean an earth rotation 24 hour day or the daylight portion of it. We saw that plants could indeed have been made appear in one day and Adam could have certainly named all the animals that existed within a day. We also saw that day 7 is a 24 hour day, even though the ending is not mentioned. God rested or ceased from his creative work. This cannot mean the day continues till now. Now, it should be noted the age of the earth is not a scientific issue. A Christian is saved regardless of what he believes about the age of the earth. Nevertheless, Christian teachers and apologists still need to teach the biblical truth about this matter. We cannot deny what the Bible says and still maintain that we are upholding biblical authority. 
Old age creationists bring up a canard of church opposing Galileo's ideas that the earth moves about the sun, but actually it was the scientists of the day who opposed his view. And the Bible doesn't actually say the earth does not move in space. It does say that God created the world in a maximum of 7,687 years ago. In addition, attempts to separate the first two verses of Genesis 1 from the rest of the chapter to allow for a long passage of time between verse 2 and 3 also fail. The days do not begin with, and God said, as this phrase appears more than once in the same day a couple of times. It is a formula, there was evening and morning on the next day, that marks the end of each day, so that all before it belongs to that day, meaning day one started with in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Day 7 doesn't require this closing formula because it is not followed by another day of creation. If you look at the tenses of the verbs in the Hebrew text, we see in the first two verses they're perfect and after that imperfect. But that does not indicate the passage of time between Genesis 2 and 3. This is actually the standard style for historical narrative. There are things in the Bible that modern science has helped clarify, such as healing of the blind man in Mark 8, 22-25, but none of these contradict what the text says. We looked at the gambit that there could be billions of years between the days, but we saw that does not work. The creation of plants in a 24-hour day 3 and then billion years later the creation of sun in a 24-hour day 4 and the creation of all the land animals on a 24-hour day 6 cannot be reconciled with the old age secular science. So unable to reconcile the biblical creation with secular science, some old age creationists have resorted to claiming that the creation account in Genesis 1 was never intended to be taken as history, but as a metaphor. However, there is nothing in the text to justify such a claim, and this approach opens up the door to writing off all the miracles in the Bible as mere metaphors. Furthermore, treating Genesis 1 as a metaphor is only the start. It then becomes dramatized history and then mytho-history. Evangelical scholars go from treating the Bible like any other book to show that it is not like any other book to treating the Bible like any other book to apparently treating the Bible like any other book because it is like any other book. Genesis becomes indistinguishable from Mesopotamian and Babylonian ancient Near Eastern literature. It should be noted, the Bible warned us long ago, in 1 Timothy 6.20, not to be misled by false science. We also saw that the Bible writers told us they were not following myths and warned us to stay away from myths. So the idea that any part of the Bible is myth or mytho-history is a non-starter. It is not comparable to ancient Mesopotamian or Babylonian myths. Now we continue the discussion. Well, let's continue. But what it is intending to teach us is that God is the transcendent creator of the universe, distinct from all of the things that have been made, and the sun and the stars and the animals and so forth. They're not gods, uh, not supernatural things to be worshipped. They're just natural things that God has made. And I think that's a central theological truth that is taught by that opening chapter. Any comments on that? Well, everything he says is, I think, I think, but he doesn't give any reasons. Uh, true, and here's, here's some big issues, okay? If the details are not true, how does it teach that transcendent truth? Now, if all it wanted to say is that God is the creator, 
And you'll find this from a lot of, of people who are trying to fit Genesis and science together. They'll tell us that well, Genesis 1 is not trying to teach us the how or the when, but only the who and maybe the why. What's the problem with that approach? Then why is the rest of the stuff there? Exactly. If all it wants to tell us is the who, verse 1 is enough. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. End of story. Or if, even just God created the heavens and the earth. Exactly. If, uh, if all it wants to tell us is the who, there it is. Uh, it's not really telling us the why, because you go through Genesis 1, it tells us the who, and it certainly tells us the how, and the Bible as a whole tells us the when. But Genesis 1 does not tell us why. So here's the problem. If the idea is just that Genesis 1 wants to tell us this transcendent truth that God is the creator, it's there in verse 1. You don't need the rest of Genesis 1. What the rest of Genesis 1 tells us very clearly and in quite a bit of detail is the how. So how can we say that it doesn't intend to tell us the how? Second problem with this is if you're comparing this to Babylonian and Mesopotamian myths, are they not also trying to teach their people some kind of transcendent truth? Yes. Yes, and if, if the, the actual details don't have to be historically true, only the transcendent truth, why should we not accept the Babylonian and Mesopotamian myths' transcendent truths? And why should those people have not simply accepted them? Well, I guess because the rest of their uh, religious book has no evidence supporting it. Well, these, uh, these scholars seem to be trying to separate off Genesis 1, 1 to 11, actually, from the rest of the book. And the evidence, if, if they go to evidence to support the rest of the book, they're still telling you that Genesis 1 to 11 is just mytho-history with only transcendent truths. And here is the next problem with this approach. Are the transcendent truths true if the details are not? I think I've mentioned this before. If I tell you, if I want to show you the transcendent truth that my dad is better than your dad, and I start saying things about what my dad did to show you how much better he is, and you won three Nobel Prizes, 16 Olympic gold medals, 12 Academy Awards, 14 Pulitzer Prizes, you know, he invented the cure to polio, and so on. I give you all these things. But you see, this, these are all myths. These never happened. They're not true. The only transcendent truth is my dad is better than your dad. But has that transcendent truth been proven if all of the evidence I give is just myth? Well, no, but uh, in terms of Genesis, if the transcendent truth is supposed to be that God created the heavens and the earth, then how he did it is not... Please note that this is a multi-part series. If you have missed any episodes and would like to listen to them, they will all be available on our YouTube channel and on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. You can find the links to these on our website, truthinmydays.com, or you can look for Truth In My Days on YouTube as one word. Proof that he did it in the same way that uh, winning the Nobel Prize is proof that your dad is great because... If, if your dad didn't do those things, then there's no reason to think he's great. It is, actually, because if you look at the details, for example, we see in uh, on day four, 
that God created the sun and the moon and the stars. And we're told that the transcendent truth here, how God is showing himself to be the, the greatest, and that this is simply just showing he's better than the other gods, the ancient peoples worshipped the sun and the moon and the stars. They, they viewed them as deities. And by saying that God created these things, he's showing they're not really gods, they're just elements he created. So obviously he's greater. But if that's not true, if he didn't actually create them the way we read in Genesis chapter 1, and we're told very much, oh, God couldn't create the sun on day 4, because where did you get the light before that, and so on. So if the point here, the transcendent truth, is taught that God is greater than these uh, celestial bodies, that they're not gods at all because our God created them. If that's not true, how does it teach that transcendent truth? The details do matter. Well, I suppose even uh, William Lane Craig believes that God created those things, just not in six 24-hour days. Maybe the transcendent truth also includes, yeah, I mean, within the heavens and the earth, he created those things also, the stars. So that would be part of the transcendent truth as he understands it, just not in the time frame. Oh, he, no doubt he does believe that. But in terms of this analysis of Genesis, that's irrelevant. It doesn't matter what somebody in the 20 and 21st century believes. These people are talking about the origins of the book of Genesis, where it came from, what it was trying to tell the people in those days. And he's basically saying that these are made-up stories, myths, to prove their God is better than the other gods. But those other nations had their own myths about their gods being better than our gods. And if it's not resting on historical truth, what is to choose between them? Just one's personal opinion that I'm going with this God isn't enough, is it? So in the Babylonian and Mesopotamian myths, they didn't have their gods creating things that their people typically worship, like the stars. They did, actually, but gods get created in those myths. You start with some primordial chaos, and then the gods come along, and they... Some very gruesome stuff, some some earth god or demon is killed and its body is made into the, the earth and other parts are made of the stars and so on. So, yeah, they, they have myths trying to show the superiority of their gods, and they believe their gods were superior. Thank you, everyone, for listening today. Unfortunately, we have run out of time, but please join us for the next part, same time and same place. Thank you for listening to the Truth In My Days podcast with John Torse. If you like our content, please share this information with family and friends. It helps us a lot. We also would love to hear from you. You can reach us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by searching Truth In My Days as one word again. Truth In My Days as one word. No spaces in between. Or reach us by email at info at truthinmydays.com. You may also visit our website for more comprehensive material and to learn more about our ministry. Our website is truthinmydays.com. Thank you.